We almost think that if we share our faith that we're doing something super taboo, which in this world, I, I guess we are. But you know, the other thing we're doing is we're inviting other people who want to live their faith. We're giving them the space to do that when they might just need a little bit of encouragement. By linking up with somebody else, you can change the world through simply just linking up with someone else and, and sharing your, your life and sharing your gifts. And that together with this chain, this chain of people together across the nation, we can change the culture, we can change the tide. Do we live our professional lives in a way that matches our personal beliefs? How open should we be about our faith in the workplace? And how can we support others as Christians through the many challenges of our careers? In today's episode, founder and national executive director of Young Catholic Professionals, Jennifer Baugh, shares how living a spirit of community helps us to grow in our work and in our spiritual lives. We are, all have leadership potential, and if we first tap into who we are as Catholics, I think then then the leadership is, is really unlocked. Your faith can't ever be checked at the door that you're a leader who happens to be Catholic. <laughs> you know, um, you're, you're Catholic, and, and that is actually what makes you a great leader. When we allow our Catholic identity to direct our professional lives, we're empowered to best serve those around us and to make our work a daily offering to God. This is Living the Call. Jennifer Baugh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you. Um, although I, I'm not going to lie, I wish that I was uh, a week earlier, I guess, or a few days earlier in the great state of Texas. Um, but sadly, we'll miss on this uh, on this visit. But uh, but yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Happy All Saints Day as well. Thank you so much. Such a such a hopeful day, right? I mean, I think that's it the really is. theme is we're called for heaven. It really is. It's even hopeful when you're told at the last second that it's your turn to preach. So and you have to, you know, kind of wing that homily. And, and of course you're not, I'm not maybe entirely winging it, but you know, you do, there are homilies that are more, let's say, divinely inspired than others. And today's was one. Oh, good. Um, I'm sure they were helping yeah. you out in heaven. Well, they, they definitely have been so far. So hopefully they haven't quit. Um, you know, Jen, I'm super excited to talk to you for a number of reasons. Your name has come up and a lot of other conversations that I've had, um, you know, with different folks as somebody who, you know, is really focused on this, uh, on this vision of something greater that can come out from the collective kind of, you know, energy and enthusiasm of young people as it relates to the church. Um, and there's a lot of things. And like, like we talked about leading up to this, right. There's anything you want to talk about, we can talk about anything. And by the way, we are going to talk about like Miami and marketing and things like that, that I've <laughs> discovered about you that I didn't know. Um, but just as it relates to this core thing, one of the things that I thought about that was most interesting about you, and it's one of my like exciting things that I'm always on about is the idea of the mission field of business, right? The mission field of however you want to define it, the corporate life, the working life, that kind of thing, and how different that is, um, it, you know, today than maybe it was, you know, 30, 40, 50, a hundred years ago, how, how that mission field in a way has kind of grown in importance to the, to the general, uh, to the health of the church, to the, to the nature of how we evangelize and, you know, how we bring, you know, people to a relationship with Jesus. And that's like what you do, right? So I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is going to be a good conversation to have with Jen. It, 
Do you think that that does like your founding of this organization, Young Catholic Professionals, um, is that born out of the fact that you come from a kind of corporate, uh, you know, business background? Is that is that it's somewhere in the background operating for you that it's like you experience this there, therefore you want to bring this there? Or, or is that less related than maybe I'm giving credit to? I think it's completely related. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I really was, you know, at a place in my life where I was longing for meaning, for deeper meaning, um, going through a lot of soul searching that young people do in their 20s and 30s. And, you know, I was uh, finishing business school, set to be in a consulting job, and really uh, through a lot of, uh, you know, outpouring of, of pleas to God to help me to know him and, and help me grow, uh, you know, in faith in this critical time in my life. Uh, really, I, I found the answer in our beautiful Catholic Church, and I didn't want to sort of separate who I was becoming as a woman of of, of faith in God from you know what I knew was also my path, which was to use my my talents and skills uh, for His glory, and so. You know, as I was sort of journeying um, into this new world, really, I was so amazed that there seemed to be this separation from, you know, who we are on the weekend, on Sunday, you know, what we hear at Mass, the summons, to then who we are during the work week. Um, and, you know, I, I just I said, I can't be the only person out there thinking that there's a disconnect, that there's a gap. Um, and as I was meeting young Catholics, you know, in Dallas, I, I was asking them, you know, how are you living your faith in your workplace? What is your Catholic identity? And really, this was something that was important to everyone, but it, to a lot of them, but it, it was a place where they didn't really know where to go for the answers. So in answer to your mm. question, um, it was deeply personal. You know, I was looking for community and I was looking for deeper meaning for my life. But you have this entrepreneurial, you know, zeal, which, you know, as a fellow entrepreneur, sometimes you recognize in other people that made your path to tap into that discovery, perhaps different than a lot of folks who may have come to the same realization, meaning you decided like, hey, not only is this thing kind of, I'm having this experience, I'm assuming many other people are having this experience. And when I look out to the world, I don't see a vehicle necessarily there to do that. So therefore I'm going to build one. Like that leap from the understanding the thing, the problem, and then and maybe this was formed by your you know academic or 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 work experience, but going from that to like I'm gonna build the thing now, that's a big leap that a lot of people don't make. Yeah, that is very true, and you know I think even just saying it like like that makes it seem like it was easy. <laughs> I, I it absolutely was not. You know, it's not like I would say that I'm a born entrepreneur. I think what I am is somebody who's creative, you know, and I think that came from my my parents and just sort of living in a lot of different countries and even Miami you talked about. It's a very creative place. And so I think that I'm someone who's open searching, but I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, born to just take leaps of faith. Um, I think really what it was is just that the need was just so overwhelming and overpowering and the sense that God was calling me to do something that almost if I didn't respond in an entrepreneurial capacity, uh, you know, it would almost be too, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for it is, but it, it, it almost was like the need was greater than the sense of that I needed to be an entrepreneur, you know, if that makes mm. sense. 
Yeah, it does. When you were at Merrill Lynch and, and at FTI, did would you say people knew that you were Christian? So, yes, um, I, I'm coming alive, you know, in my faith and starting my job at FTI. Uh, and I do have a Divine Mercy chaplet, uh, or not chaplet, a Divine Mercy image at my desk there, and I would leave at lunchtime to go to Mass. And uh, yeah, that was definitely something that, um, you know, solicited different responses among my coworkers, for sure. And I was learning at the time what it really means to be sort of a person of faith in a very, very secular environment that you have to be bold and courageous because, you know, it's not going to be something that is, you know, necessarily popular. Did those, um, I guess, reactions, or and I'm sure they were varied uh, over the years with some of that, did those reactions kind of run the gamut in terms of how people responded to, to that? I mean, I guess how would, how would, if I'm walking by your desk or your office or your cubicle, whatever the case may be, and I see an image of the Divine Mercy, which at Merrill Lynch, I can imagine... <laughs> You're probably the only one in the building that's got that, right? Yeah. And then nothing against Merrill Lynch or anybody who works there, but it's just not the kind of thing that is office decor for the most part. What is that, like, what kind of conversations get elicited from that? You know, I think more than anything, you know, we talk about this a lot at YCP. How much are we supposed to wear our faith on our sleeve, you know, so to speak? And I, I think I think we're called to do... Um, all things, meaning that we are called to kind of have those visual reminders for ourselves. I think it is important at the workplace to, you know, have either a kind of small crucifix or a small image of Saint, you know, Joseph or whatever it is, because we have to remind ourselves there's so many times in the workday we can drift. Um, and so we need those personal reminders, but also you never know what uh, conversations it might stimulate. How many fallen away Catholics are there? Uh, at the workplace. And so, you know, I, yes, I definitely did have uh, people come up and ask me about it, ask me where I was going at, at lunchtime to, you know, every day. And I think what we talk about so much in YCP is that you also, you have to establish trust. And so people have to kind of like you and be drawn to you to then engage in some of those deeper conversations. So I can't be someone who's, you know, you know, acting a certain way at work or someone who's not honest or, you know, living a wild life and then kind of going to noon mass or having these images at the, at the desk, we ha our, our witness has to be credible. So um, I think in answer to your question, I think I was able to have so many of those conversations with people because they also knew me in another context, not just purely from the faith perspective. Did it ever occur at FTI when you were there and you went to Mass or wherever you were um, at noon? Did anybody ever go with you? Did you ever like have a relationship be born out of that experience? Yeah. I mean, definitely I had some coworkers come with me and, and thank me, you know, saying, gosh, I've always wanted to go to noon Mass right across the street, you know? Um, so I, I think that's the thing, too, is like we almost think that if we share our faith that we're doing something super taboo, which in this world, I, I guess we are. But you know, the other thing we're doing is we're inviting other people who want to live their faith. We're giving them the space to do that when they might just need a little bit of, bit of encouragement. You know, we talked earlier about just the saints and All Saints Day and just how hopeful it is. And I think the saints provide that encouragement for us. And that's what we're called to do for others. You know, maybe they might be fallen away or maybe they just simply don't have the courage to live their faith boldly. Uh, that's really what we're called to do. It's not about really how we feel. It's more about, you know, how can our witness help and support somebody else? 
what do you uh, envision, or maybe just from your experience working now as you have for, has it been 12 years, 11 years doing 11 this? years with well, YCP. Amazing. That's awesome. That's amazing. Congratulations. But Thank you. In that, in that um, period of time, like what would you classify as, to the extent you can put them in categories like this, but what are there kind of like generally speaking, think of them as use cases, right? To use a very kind of secular, maybe even marketing term, uh, types of scenarios that hold people back in the workplace that you experience over and over. In other words, is it like, I'm very private or I don't want, you know, maybe that's part of it, or I'm afraid of what this, you know, public enthusiasm for my faith may mean to my career, or I'm just trying to get along to go along kind of thing. Like, what are the use case? Like, what are the things that keep people for the most part? I know it's an averages, but mm -hmm. that, that, that are obstacles initially to living that experience in a work setting. Yeah. I mean, I think you listed a lot of them. I mean, really, we say there's three main challenges that young people are facing today. And in a way, that's actually how we've built our direction forward with YCP. Those three challenges have become our threefold purpose. So number one is a lack of Catholic identity. So, you know, I think they struggle living their faith at work simply because they're really not fully well formed in the faith to begin with. So, I mean, the concept of witnessing is, is almost like a second step. First, they really need to know what it means to be Catholic in everyday life to then go and defend it, right? Um, so that's number one, is a real struggle with a kind of a desire to uh, know more about their faith, but they might be pulling on, you know, Catholic elementary school education, and, and you know, that's just not going to cut it uh, when you're older. Number two is just a tremendous sense of, of loneliness and isolation. You know, we mm. just launched one of our chapters in Philadelphia, and I just can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, you don't know how lonely I've been, you know, especially now during this pandemic. Um, and the fact that, you know, you are, are giving us this community and bringing together this community where I can... I can connect, I can be supported, you know, not just by my peers, but now, but also, you know, mentors and those who have gone before me, um, they just come to me and thank me. It's really humbling. Um, and then, you know, finally, this, they struggle with this sense of inertia. You talked about restlessness and that's really just, you know, very prevalent in this age group is just this sense that they're floating, you know, are they in the mm. right career path? You know, are they dating the right person? Are they, you know, how are they supposed to engage? There's just this kind of sense of swirling. And, you know, what we say is, you know, again, that St. Catherine of Siena quote, uh, be who God meant you to be and you'll set the world on fire, that God has an incredible plan for your life. Um, and you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to figure it out alone, you know? And so I think that those are the, the things that young people are really struggling with, that just profound loneliness, you know, a lack of a sense of identity and a lack of a sense of, of, of direction. And so how can, again, mm. you be a witness to Christ in your workplace if you're going through all of those things personally? I think the last several American generations have increasingly and perhaps, and definitely, sadly, um, experienced more of this sense of loneliness mm -hmm. and isolation. I think in a very pronounced way, it began with your generation, right? The millennial generation, mm -hmm. and then now continues in more accelerated fashion with Gen Z and, you know, Generation Alpha, the data that's starting to come out of that group is like none too comforting either. 
And I just, you know, I, I talk about this quite a bit on the show about the the sort of things that undergird that, right? Because we're obviously going through um, something of which we know the solution. You, you know, you and I as, as, as Christians and people who strive to hear God in every, in every circumstance. So we kind of know the answer. But the problem of isolation, loneliness, you know, kind of that sense what you just described is sort of floating mm-hmm. in, in outer space. It seems to be more pronounced, right, as you kind of go younger um, down that spectrum. And I'm just curious, like from a theoretical standpoint, right, aside from obviously this relationship with 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 God um, that we that everyone should have and ha- you know needs to have. But like, what what do you what do you think is driving some of that, right? Um, the loneliness. Yeah, I mean, uniquely for again your generation and younger, we've all gone through some variation of it in Gen X, you know, boomers and you know whatever anybody else. But it's it just seems to be. So, so much more amplified now. Totally. I think there's a lot of factors. I mean, I think before the family unit used to be, you know, sort of a sense of um, kind of refuge, you know, and right now we we know that the family is, is really kind of very broken in many ways. And so it's that's not something that you could rely upon as much. Um if your family is intact, you might be living farther away from your family. You know, I mean, I think back in the day, we, we weren't all so all over the place, all over the world. I mean, my dad is in Uruguay, you know, that's really tough. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think the distance, I think the fact that uh, we, I mean, we've heard this a million times, but it's true. Technology has just totally messed up relationships um, to the point where I think people don't even know how to foster relationships anymore, you know? Um, And then also there's just this weird busyness where we're all so busy, but what are we busy doing and what are we, you know, prioritizing? So I think we're kind of, we have this excuse of busyness and we're not prioritizing what we really need, which is authentic relationship with people. And we might be afraid to um, sort of tell people that that's what we really need <laughs> um, because other we see other people around us so busy. So we think kind of we're on an island. Um, so I think, I think that we just really need to kind of just stop and Catholics need to treat one another as family. I, I, I think we really do. You know, I mean, you know, I, I won't share the personal story, but my husband called a church to, to, to get some help with something. And, you know, the church lady literally act like, acted like he was <laughs> hassling her. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, I, I think we just need to treat each other well. We talk so much about, you know, supporting our neighbor and all of that, but it, it's, it, it really, it, we do have to kind of look out and, and seek out, um, to help one another, um, and it, it, it starts with maybe the person that we see alone coming to Mass every single Sunday. Can we step outside of ourselves and and reach out and, and just go meet that person? Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question, but I, I think it is a combo of tech and this, you know, sort of being away from our family and just the culture being so transactional um, that we've kind of been swept swept into it. I was, I was talking to uh, Matt Meeks on this show um, for those people who haven't heard that episode, Matt is, a, you know, a kind of a Catholic venture capitalist, uh, uh, very interesting character. But he brought up um, this concept 
you know, which similar to what you just described of this idea of thinking of the church, if you were to give it a marketing or brand assessment and the points of breakage that exists in the, in the kind of the linkage that we kind of take for granted in secular, you know, models or secular environments, right? So the idea of customer service, right? <laughs> Calling up the parish and going, hey, what time is mass? Or, you know, uh, whatever, the par- is the parking lot still closed for COVID or whatever the situation is. And having that really be seen by all the players involved as an opportunity to drive community, mm-hmm. as an opportunity to create relationship, right? To actually live that Christian community and we take those opportunities very oftentimes for granted, even in a kind of Christian, you know, context, right? Somebody, if you work in a parish and somebody's calling you about something having to do with the church, if they don't work there, like that's an opportunity, you know, to evangelize and to build that community. But oftentimes, and not to pick on, you know, parish administrators, <laughs> but but oftentimes, like that's a pretty common story that you just told. That's not like unique. You know, just missed opportunities. It is. But I mean, I think, again, the hopeful message, you know, of today, All Saints and, and, you know, what we're trying to do together, which is build up the body of Christ. You know, I think what we found, you know, with this young generation in particular is, you know, maybe they're falling away. Maybe they have their guard up. But when you you sort of invest in them. Um, they, it really is not so hard to, to get them to really engage and sort of be part of the solution. So this whole, you know, church administrator thing, you know, we really need more vibrance, I think, in, in the parishes and in our, in our Catholic churches. And so, you know, we need to engage young people. Um, right now, young people are probably, for the most part, just going to Mass, uh, you know, and just sort of going through the motions. They may not know their pastor well. But if we engage them, then they actually become intimately involved in the life of the parish and they end up, you know, providing suggestions to the pastor. Hey, we need more lively uh, reception, receptionist, you know. And so I think I think that's how we work towards the solution together is by kind of engaging um, those who can be vibrant and, and really um, kind of remind one another that encouragement has to be the theme. I was at a at the one of these conferences, the Napa conference, not too long ago, and one of the presenters there, you know, similar kind of entrepreneur, millennial, he he gave the the little the sort of insight or talking point that he said, you know, when it, on my birthday I got an email from Peloton saying, hey, happy birthday, you know, we hope you have a great year, make it a year of fitness. He's like, I don't get an email from my pastor on my birthday, <laughs> and and it was. And it wasn't to pick on his pastor. It was just an example of like, hey, you know, we got all these like ways that people are used to, uh, you know, being interacted with that are pretty simple. They're pretty, in some cases, even kind of perfunctory, right? It's the kind of thing that you don't spend a ton of time thinking maybe it lacks a little bit in authenticity, but nevertheless, like a lot of people are doing that. And sometimes we miss those opportunities. But to your point, to me, the silver lining in all this, the hopefulness of uh, again, your generation in particular, and it gets more pronounced the way you go younger, when you go younger, is the data also says that millennials and Gen Z are much more enthusiastic about doing things that help the world, mm-hmm. doing things that move the needle, right? They want to spend with brands that are doing X, Y, Z. They want to they wanna make sure that their purchases are more about values and less about value. I mean, all those things are also part of your generation and what a great opportunity that is to actually tap into that, right? Into that vibrancy. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to. There's life there. And I think if we can just, it's all about pointing 
people in the right direction. I think the world is giving them this message that, you know, says that tolerance is the icon, right? And and we just need to redirect them so that they understand that this, the beautiful sort of uh, desires of their heart to give, you know, I mean, that can, that has its root in Christ and, and in our, our beautiful Catholic faith and that we just need to bring more people into the fold. So I think with, with just a little bit of redirection, um, young people really are, um, not just the future, but today, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's the exciting thing when you see this life of all the young people coming alive in their faith. Um, it, it really is, is like this, this fire that's just going to kind of flourish all around the world. It's, it's, it's contagious. Absolutely. Before you started Young Catholic Professionals, you described a journey where you were working, presumably just having met you, but I can tell, presumably a very successful career in at Merrill and other places, you know, kind of big secular powerhouses, frankly, that if you do well in, can give you that satisfaction of a career of, you know, accolades and promotions and capital and everything else. You're in this career and you're doing this. And then you talked about, you just got to a point where like you had to sort of find this community or, and you looked around and there really wasn't that, which is what led you to, to, to found what you're doing. But was there a moment of breakdown before that breakthrough? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think in that moment of soul searching, it was a lot of breakdown of sort of how have I gotten to this point? Um, who am I? You know, I, I had just dated a guy who was very anti-Catholic and, you know, why did I date someone like that? You know, wh- what am I doing? You know, and also, am I a fraud? You know, I've been calling myself Catholic, but I really don't know how to pray. And I, I don't even really know what I believe. And, and so there was just a lot of that um, for sure. But I think that's what opened up uh, the door to to me to finally, you know, kind of really surrender um, and and open my heart to God and realize that he had been with me all along and that it wasn't about sort of uh, perfection or even, you know, sort of perfectly knowing my faith at that moment. It was really about opening my heart to a great journey of faith, um, you know, that he would lead me and accompany me and that essentially all the answers that I had in my heart were, were found in our, our beautiful Catholic faith, which is just really such a tremendous gift. I mean, um, it's something that we really need to treasure, you know, um, because I think if it brought me so much joy in that moment and to, to this day, it, it, we should want to share that with others, you know. Um, that's why our faith has to be something that's not necessarily personal, um, we almost can't contain it and keep it to ourselves. We have to pass it on, you know, and I think that's the whole point also of this, this community, young Catholic professionals. It's not just a social club, you know, Um, it's this, this place where we can come together, encourage each other, and then we're sent back out, you know, and we can go keep, keep it going and keep spreading it along, but we recharge through this community together. My friend uh, Edmundo Reyes just recently, along with a couple of other co-founders, launched a new apostolate, kind of a new media apostolate to really kind of re-express the catechism. Mm. It's called Real and True. It's actually Mm. very cool. Uh, And the way that you just reminded me about something that he said on this show a couple months ago, probably now, but um, that what his kind of insight was, um, was about introducing the people that they want to reach and that they are reaching now to the faith as a great adventure. Mm -hmm. 
right? Kind of mm-hmm. tying into that idea, which, you know, young people, but not just young people, maybe a lot of people desire this sense of, of, of adventure, a sense of discovery, a sense of, um, you know, exhilaration of life. And when you discover that the church is that in like the biggest possible way, it's very attractive. Oh, right? it's um, so attractive. Yeah. I mean, that notion of like pilgrimage, like I know one of my favorite readings is, is the Holy Thursday where I can't remember, um, what it's from, but it's per, uh, pilgrimage to the Lord as a perpetual institution. You know, it's that sense mm. that we are always on this journey. And I, I just have this quote here from St. Bernard of Clairvaux. It's um, this homily he gave from All Saint, for All Saints Day. And he said, come, let us at length spur ourselves on. That, that feeling of movement, right? We must rise again with Christ. We must seek the world which is above and set our mind on the things of heaven. But the reason I like that is he's so much talking in the sense of of we, you know, we have to do this together. We have to move together. We have to remind each other that we're made for more. We can't do it on our own. Um, It's really that, that simple, you know? And so I, I think that that concept of adventure is, is really great because adventures are more fun when you do it with a pal. Yeah, no question. I think that's where some of the images of the church become very helpful, right? The bark of Peter. We're all on like this giant ship together, and we're sort of sailing across this ocean called earthly life. And we do it, yes, individually, because we experience that voyage through our own senses and experiences, but we're also doing it collectively. Mm -hmm. We're doing it as a group, and we're doing it in community if we're doing it, you know, well. And when we don't have that, when we miss that community, we long for it, mm-hmm. right? And it can lead to that moment of crisis where you're like, you know, who do I, whose am I? Not who am I, whose am <laughs> I, right? And, 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 and that's a pretty important, you know, part of the spiritual journey. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's comforting to know that, that we're called, yes, like you said, on this individual path to God, how many paths are there to God? As many paths as there are people, you know, that was what Pope Emeritus Benedict answered. But you don't have to be on this path alone, you know? And I, I think, mm. um, you know, it's it's just so great. We've seen so many transformations, you know, through this. I mean, there's one story that I always share of a neurosurgeon who came to YCP um, and he was taught, he said he was taught in medical school that he couldn't speak about his faith. And so came to YCP, heard the speaker say, oh no, we're called to live our faith at work and be mm. bold witnesses. And it was just a radical sort of shift for him. And he said now he talks about his faith to all of his patients, you know, uh, especially those suffering terminal il- illnesses. Um, so I think, you know, when we see others in a, in a room listening to a Catholic speaker, you know, where we can meet others, yes, they might be in every different profession out there, but there's this common connection that, you know, we're trying to live our faith in the world. You know, there's this sense that, that we have uh, companionship along the way. And, you know, I think, you know, that's what has made YCP successful is I, I think, obviously it's God grace totally, but I think it's that the mission is pretty simple. You know, it's, we're called to work and witness for Christ and we do it together. But the vision is, while while it is simple and and the gospel is, and God is simple, right? But your vision, at least as I understand it, is you know, fairly significant and fairly broad about the kind of collective um, 
um, you know, to use a poor word perhaps, but the collective power that is had within, you know, young folks in a professional setting. And I think that, you know, to your earlier point, when we hear something like, you know, I'm the executive director of this young Catholic professional thing, we kind of think in very, you know, we think like humans do, we think very secularly, right? It's like, oh, well, I'm part of a, I don't know, a gardening club or (laughs) a sports club or something. So it's another kind of variation of Mm -hmm. that. But I think the way that you're looking at this thing is that there's this much broader panorama of opportunity at the intersection of youth and professional life. And I think you're right about that. And I'm wondering like where you kind of peg that intersection today versus maybe, I don't know, 20 years ago, hundred years ago. Like why is that so important right now? Yeah. I mean, there's this image that I love. You might be familiar, St. John Henry Newman, about you know being a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. And I think that's how we're viewing YCP is that, you know, by linking up with somebody else, you know, maybe maybe you can change the world through simply just linking up with someone else and and sharing your your life and sharing your gifts and that together with this chain this chain of people together across the nation we can change the culture we can change the tide right now the secular forces are just so strong but if we as catholics rooted in you know grace and the sacraments i mean we have all the all the tools at our disposal and i think what's missing is us coming together now and standing firm and saying and resisting the culture, you know? And so our dream is to kind of really have this, this sort of army of young Catholics who uh, really are on fire for their faith and have a, a, a spirit of, of wanting to share this evangelist heart um, and sort of are equipped with the tools, um, which is you know, peer-to-peer support, but also mentorship, knowing that those are, there are people out there who have a vested interest in them and can kind of help them know what it means to be virtuous in daily life, to practice humility, you know, as you're sending a work email. Um, You know, I think those are the tools. And I, I think when we come together, we really can reverse the tide and the trends. And I think the other, the other factor is that we don't really want to lose anyone along the way. And so I think it's it's so important in these in these critical moments, you know, where you're graduating from college, you're thrown into the world, you know, when you're uh, now shifting, you know, to to married life, to kids and 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 really engaging in your parish. We don't want to lose anyone in those transition moments. And so our dream with YCP is really to be a bridge, not that we're going to be this, you know, isolated community to ourselves, but that we want to link up you know, with also other organizations um, to really ensure that really people feel like they have that support for their life journey. I can tell you're a former marketer just by, (laughs) or current marketer just by how you talk, because what you're defining is basically life stages, right? So, and, and those moments of inflection, typically the, 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 the application is in a consumer journey, right? It's like, Hey, you're graduating college, you're getting your first car, you're getting your first apartment, you're having your first pet, your first kid, your whatever. Those are the moments where brands look specifically to communicate with consumers precisely because it's at that moment that new habits can develop or an, or a habit can be abandoned right mm-hmm. at that moment. Mm-hmm. So either you're looking to create a new customer or keep a current one, you're really focused on those moments, right? 
another example of the, those are those are the kind of things that we can look to increasingly Christianize and understand so that we can apply them to this journey of of faith. I think the other super interesting thing that you just said is this idea of linkage, mm-hmm. right? Um, because what you described is really the network effect that happens when you bring people that are similarly minded or experienced together. Yep. And that's super, super powerful. Um, and and sometimes you don't have to do much more than that. Exactly. Right. It's like, hey, you know what? Let's bring, you know, really on fire people into the into a room and they're in all walks of life and let's see what happens. That can just be a lot by itself. Oh, totally. I mean, it's amazing, you know, just by bringing people together, I, I I have a lot of different stories I can share, but one is I I remember at this one particular event, this guy who who hadn't been to mass in like 10 years, he had served overseas in the military and just seen a lot of things and was sort of very kind of jaded about faith. Um, And he sat right next to a former seminarian. And so literally, what are the chances that they would have sat right next to each other? They got (laughs) to talking and became really good friends. And of course, you know, they're both in the same place, like navigating their careers, but at at opposite ends of the spectrum with the faith, but they were able to relate to each other and connect. And of course, now this, the, you know, the one guy is, is being sort of supported by the former seminarian in the faith journey, went to Reditus, you know, is coming back to the faith. Um, and so I, I think it really is that simple as we just don't know how our particular witness can affect someone else and what we might have to give. You know, it's almost like networking is a, is a bad word, but really, you know, in my mind, it's not at all because, um, you know, I think you go into a situation again with this theme of a adventure of God, how are, you know, who am I going to meet today? And, and, you know, what what are you going to do through our connection? What is possible? And and it's it's just like the whole new world opens up, um, and you never know what how something somebody you might know, some experience you might have had might impact another person's. Yeah, I I um I think I may have mentioned this at some point on this show before, so apologies if I have. But um I had a friend of mine who like started a podcast, and he was very dissuaded by the listenership of his podcast and a super sweet guy, Catholic guy. Um, and he, he was like, yeah, you know, my first episode, I think I had like 10 people listen or whatever. And, you know, my thought there was that, you know, we have such an extravagant God that he might have created the entire podcast industry, literally all of it just for those 10 people so that you could have your show that isn't going to reach anybody else <laughs> besides those 10, right? That yeah. whole vision of like the, the shepherd going after the one when he's got the 99 already in the stock, in the, in the, you know, in the pen yep. and goes after the, leaves them all behind, goes after that one. That's the kind of God that we have. So this idea of that single conversation or that chance meeting mm-hmm. between a seminarian and a fallen away person, you don't know, Jen, that could have been like a driver for all of YCP. That's true. That's really true. And I think that's what's so, been so also as part of my own journey, you know, being someone who's like extremely results oriented <laughs> to kind of step back and say, this is in your hands, God, this isn't sort of my, uh, my own uh, will, right, of, of what sure. we can achieve. Sure, we're supposed to have goals and objectives, and we're supposed to use our talents to kind of uh, be efficient and all of these things. But we also really do have to surrender and just say, you know, this is bigger than me. This is your ministry. And um, like you said at the beginning, you know, um, in, in the beautiful opening prayer, it's, it's, we, we, 
he is bigger than time and space. And so I think that's been a, a really neat journey for me is how do I balance that, that side of my personality with the fact that I'm, I'm working in an apostolate that's totally run by God. So um, it's that's a great, awesome. great journey. Um, because we sometimes discuss provocative things on this show. One thought that I had, and I'd love for you to weigh in on it, is it seems to me, okay, maybe I'm oversimplifying. I have been known to do this from time to time. But it seems to me that there is a difference between leaders or executives, professionals, however you want to define it, but people who are, you know, leaders or professionals who are Catholic and Catholic leaders and Catholic professionals, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm not saying either one is, I'm not saying one is bad, but I do think that there is a difference um, between those two realities. And I don't know if you've come across this, maybe in, in the work with YCP or maybe even in your own journey. I can tell you for myself, there's been plenty of times, especially in my past and in my corporate life, where I was, you know, an executive VP or SVP or whatever it may be who, who happened to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. No question. Mm-hmm. No question. I don't think there's anything fine where I wasn't Catholic. But it's been, you know much to my shame, only recently as, you know, whatever, last 15 years or so, where I think that I've been a Catholic entrepreneur or a Catholic business person or a Catholic leader of any stripe. And so I've sort of seen that in my own life. Have you come across that or experienced that? Or do you think I'm kind of overblowing things? No, I think it's extremely important. You know, it it matters. Like words do matter. And even the order of words, the placement of words and you know, I think when you're a Catholic leader, the Catholic is first, right? That's that's the most important thing. It's the lens through which you see the world, right? And I think that's why it's our, our first purpose for YCP is, is to foster a sense of Catholic identity. Um, that, you know, your faith can't ever be checked at the door, that you're a leader who happens to be Catholic, you know, um, you're you're Catholic, and and that is actually what makes you a great leader. Um, you know, I I just went this past Friday to this um, beautiful talk by Immaculate, and then Alexander Havard. You know, he he founded the Virtuous Leadership Institute, but he's there on a mission to really help people understand their God-given temperament and kind of grow in virtue through character development. And so, you know, I think it's all it's all related because we all are. We all have leadership potential, and if we first tap into who we are as Catholics, I think then then the leadership is is really unlocked. I think that interior life um, is so critical. Here, I want to just give a quick nod to my friend Chris, who's the president of an apostolate called Catholic Answers um, in San Diego, which some of the listeners may know well. But this is an apostolate that dedicates its time to basically explaining Catholicism to people and other world religions, right? And kind of evangelizing. And in a way, so it just goes to show my ignorance, you know, me meeting this apostolate for the first time, I'm thinking to myself, well, all you do all day is talk about Jesus and the catechism. The thing that struck me most when I toured their facility for the first time years ago, this was like 10, 12 years ago that I went down there to check them out, is how much that interior life was developed, right? Like, you know, they all stop at noon for the Angelus. They play, pray the Liturgy of the Hours. They do rosaries. They have Mass every day in their little building. And and I talked to Chris about it, and he's like, if we don't have that interior life, it's it gives life to everything else, right? It, it, it feeds everything else. And here I was thinking very much in my kind of, you know, business, secular, you know, growth metric related head. And I'm going, this is all you do all day. So, like, it didn't even, 
it didn't even strike me that that would be something that that would be so fundamental to what actually made their mission even possible mm-hmm. is that idea of that interior life totally. right um i saw this uh you know you talk about simple things um i get these ads on facebook and every, like everybody else gets but um even though i've disabled all my ad profile. So you think I wouldn't get anything <laughs> tailored to me. Nevertheless, I still get tailored advertising. So uh, add that to Facebook's long list of things to fix. But um, but I saw an ad the other day for this little like journal, it was mm-hmm. like a little uh, design for Catholic professionals. Mm. Right. And it was like, it was very simple. It was like a planner. Mm-hmm. And it said, you know, here's where you put your, you know, your conference thing. Here's where you put your board meeting. Here's where you put whatever. And then here's the time to pray. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's the whatever. And it was like so simple, but mm-hmm. a way to integrate that interior life into the into your work experience, but but so necessary. You know what I mean? To like use the tools that you use every day to kind of bring your faith into it. So necessary. I, I think we have to we have to have a plan and I think we have to practice as well, you know. And I think it's also important, like you said, to keep it simple. Um you know, we have uh, a Monsignor who is one of our national co-chaplains, and you know we're we're planning for our upcoming conference for YCP, and it's based it's awesome based on Saint Alphonsus Liguori's book Uniformity with God's Will, and so we're asking him, Monsignor, how can we make this like really practical and applicable? And he said. Don't overcomplicate life. <laughs> he said it's really kind of simple. You really need the Eucharist. You need to pray. You need to you need to pray the Rosary regularly. You know you need to do all these things. You have to go to confession. Um, so I, I mean I think it's important, like you're saying, that we just kind of have a plan for the basics and really do them do them well. But it is so important the interior life. You know I. Uh, have such a devotion to Our Lady through the Rosary, you know, um, and it's something my husband and I have committed to. We were married on Our Lady of Fatima, the hundredth anniversary, and so we better, <laughs> we better. Two thousand seventeen, exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's so beautiful. My two-year-old son. I mean, it's just amazing how you can really like start the habits at a young age. But we started singing Immaculate Mary. Um, yeah, every night before he goes to bed and now he won't go to bed without it. So <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's, uh, converting our Protestant nanny. He got her to, uh, to sing Immaculate Mary. So, <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yeah. But I, I think it is, I think it's so important that we, you know, we're all, all talking about mission so much in this conversation, but I think in order for us to be on this mission, we have to, we have to give ourselves the tools to be successful and that's prayer and the sacraments. And the, and the tools in a literal sense are all around us, right? Mm-hmm. Things that we don't think about, like your calendar. Mm-hmm. I remember probably about, maybe about five years ago, I started to input into my calendar, um, you know, Liturgy of the Hours, go to Mass. Like, I'd literally put it in, and my assistant, and even my assistant now, who neither of which are Catholic or were Catholic or are Catholic, two different assistants, but um, they would start seeing that. Mm-hmm. It'd be like St. Gerard Magella Mass. I'd be like, <laughs> okay. And, you know, uh, at three o'clock, you know, hour of mercy, go do something. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, it struck me how like, um, how kind of conversation was spurred from that mm-hmm. really simple thing. But for me, honestly, it was like, I know it sounds really dumb, but for me it was, wow, this is amazing that like I'm now putting in, I used to use my calendar only for work stuff. And you have this, I had this very compartmentalized way of looking at things. And I think that that's not unique to professionals as well. And mm-hmm. you probably come across this quite a bit. But when we think about the tools, it's a lot of the tools that are already there. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. how do we utilize them to kind of drive this sort of internal 
this interior life and this sort of uh, idea of mission into the, the work that we do every day? I think so. You know, we, we had one speaker, um, you know, was talking about like habit and, and it was a question of what is the best fitness, you know, activity that you should do. And, and the answer is the one that you will continue to do. <laughs> and so mm. I think, you know, that's really awesome for our, our, fitness life, you know, but I think it's also a really good message for us for our spiritual life too, that we really need to work on consistency. You know, um, we don't, that's what I love about St. Francis de Sales and all the saints that there's this concept that, you know, uh, there's a universal call to holiness. So, so my sort of prayer life right now might look a little bit different than, you know, uh, my mom who has time to spend in, you know, daily mass and, and hours and hours of adoration every day. <laughs> um, you know, her day, her day is going to look a little bit different than mine, but I can also, you know, offer up, um, you know, a lot of what I'm doing throughout the workday as a form of prayer and, but, but be intentional about it. So as long as I'm kind of committing and doing these things consistently, you know, I think we can develop that, that habit that, that sets us up, um, for continued growth. Your kids are younger. My youngest one just turned 17 today. Happy oh, birthday happy birthday. Uh, Francis, he's the youngest. And um, so you may experience this further down the road. I don't know, perhaps you have already. But, um, you know, right around the, the teenage years when they begin to set in, you know, I remember sitting, you know, we just sit down for food. And obviously we say grace before we eat food. And at one point, you know, I, I see, and, and they, they've all done this, but just, I'm picking on, on Francis here because it just happens to be the one I'm remembering right now. But he, you know, he was like, you know, bless us the Lord, these, I guess, sort of and it like was, was going really fast. And, and I stopped him for a second and I say, you know, Francis, um, you could just say thank you too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, just, it, it's not about, to your point, everybody's got their own way yeah. of doing this, but it's about being present in that moment in your mm -hmm. own way, being in relationship in your own way. It was actually a famous uh, Christian mystic, Meister Eckhart, who who said that thank you is like the most powerful of prayers, mm. right? Just get just gratitude mm -hmm. to God for for whatever the thing is, and if that's heartfelt and the intention is behind it, believe me, God's happy. It's not necessarily about the words you say or certainly how fast you say them. So so it is true. We all have our each our own kind of program mm -hmm. for how we do that. But the idea is like have one. <laughs> you know? Exactly. That's where the that's where the discipline might come in. Yes. Yes, it's a great virtue. <laughs> um, I know you have some international, uh, you know, background and you know a lot of uh, a lot of travel and all that. We haven't talked too much about that. Um, but do you have aspirations for YCP broader than the U.S.? We do, we do, and you know, I mean, we people have asked, you know, where where do you want to go? And I think we said, oh, we'll go where God sends us. And I I think that is the answer. You know, we really want to just be open, but we do continue to have requests from people overseas. Um, I had I a conversation, you know, two weeks ago with a guy who used to be part of YCP in Dallas and moved back home to Chile and said, look, there's nothing going on here for young Catholic workers. You know, can we bring this? And, and those kind of conversations are very exciting and, mm. you know, very real. I think, you know, we have some, some mentors and advisors. Thank, thankfully, we have a lot of franchise experts on our national board of directors because YCP is structured, you know, sort of similarly to a franchise, one body, many parts, but that's how we grow. And, uh, you know, they've really counseled us on, you know, don't, don't expand too quickly internationally before you've really 
um, sort of, you know, grown in the United States because it's, it, there's a lot that comes with it. But absolutely, I mean, I think it is part of our, our journey because the great thing about our mission is it can translate. Um, it really can. And I think imagine, you know, not just this national family of young Catholic workers that you can connect to, but now international. Um, you know, I, I think just the hope that can come from that and, and the benefit to, you know, the universal church and world is, is just extreme. So um, it's exciting and we'll see when that happens. Well, it sounds like good advice that you were given. Um, I was given similar advice uh, one time in one of my startups by a, a product guy who basically described the idea of launching on multiple platforms at the same time as kind of the equivalent of trying to start trying to move a campfire. <laughs> He's like, you, you got to get the ember burning mm -hmm. and then you can pick up the fire and move it somewhere else. If you get, if you just start moving the embers, then they go out. Right. right? So it sounds like you got a, uh, you got good advice. Mm -hmm. um, Jen, hours go by quickly <laughs> and um, this one has already, but um, you know, before we get to our final segment here, I know you've got a hard stop coming up. So I want to make sure to get you on your way. But before we do get to our wait, what segment, uh, I wanted to just, you know, you mentioned this big conference coming up, but, you know, mention to folks kind of maybe important things on the horizon for you guys, ways that they can follow YCP and you personally, if that's appropriate, um, so that, you know, people can know what's out there on the horizon. Totally. I mean, we would really love to connect uh, with anyone because we are on this mission that's going to require a, a team effort, and there is a place for everyone to get involved. You know, it's not just, we're yes, we're targeting young people, but we do rely often on people in their 40s, 50s, 60s to, to engage with us as mentors, speakers, um, and more. Um, and of course, we're looking to connect with the college students. So best way is youngcatholicprofessionals.org. Um, you can see where we have a YCP chapter. If we don't have a chapter in your city, we can start one in your city. We're on a pretty assertive growth plan, which is really exciting. Um, the the conference is really epic. Um, first of all, you are speaking, Deacon Charlie. So that's right. Um, that's right. We can't I wait. I was waiting for you to announce that instead of me. <laughs> so come for Deacon. Uh, but it's a really, really important topic about really embracing God's will and you know allowing that to transform our daily life. That no longer is our will separate from God's, but that uniting our will, we can really have that sense of, of peace and serenity. And then our witness can be more authentic. Um, so there's information on our conference coming up. Um, we're looking to build this, this amazing link that extends really far. So, you know, you're going to be hearing more about this message of, of belonging, you know, that there's a place for you in YCP. Um, so I would say please join us on our website, youngcatholicprofessionals.org. Of course, we're on the social channels. And you can definitely uh, email me directly. You can find me on the website. And I would love to get any ideas that anybody has about you know, how we can reach um, more young Catholics and extend our arms even further. It's a supremely important mission that you're on, Jen, and I mean that seriously. And on this day of All Saints, even though people will hear the show on Thursday of this week, nevertheless, it's All Saints Day today. And on this day of All Saints, my prayer is directly to St. Thomas More, who is, among many things, uh, a saint um, whose patronage includes the idea of integrity, mm. of combining those worlds, the world of God with the world of everything else. It's all God's world, right? And we're in all of it. But this idea of integrating our faith into every aspect of our lives, because it gives, it feeds and, and is the source of every part of our lives. And so really living that 
which I decidedly understand, especially after this conversation that you and YCP are doing. So for that, I just pray that God continue to prosper everything that you're doing um, and bring about much more uh, in that area as well, because I really do believe that we need it, um, maybe now more so than ever. No, thank you so much. And, and what an epic saint you called upon. <laughs> so thank you, Deacon Charlie. I mean, I, he, honestly, he's a good one. he really is. And I'm, I'm so grateful for, for your encouragement. Of course. Are you ready to play Wait What? Let's do it. All right. Very good. Even though we didn't talk about Miami, but I do have a Miami question <laughs> okay. for you, Jen. All right. Ready? Okay, Jen. And you were born in Miami, right? No, no, I wasn't. Just, I was actually born town. in Manila, Philippines. Oh, even even better. See if I would have known that. That wasn't on the stuff that I researched. But you're you're sufficiently expert on the city of Miami to uh, <laughs> to answer this question. I'm sure. All right, Jen. Which of these is false about the city of Miami, which is part part of your long international journey? Okay, um, let's see. All right, A. Miami has been the host city to the largest number of James Bond films of any city in the world. Huh. Is it B, the idea for the Golden Girls, which strangely has come back into popularity for some reason, I have no idea why, <laughs> but the idea for the Golden Girls started as a parody of Miami Vice, hmm. okay? And C, Miami is the only major U.S. city founded by a woman. Oh, wow. Which of those three is false about Miami? Oh, is it man. the host city to the most James Bond films? Is it the Golden Girls got started as a Miami Vice parody? Or is it Miami was founded by a woman, which is a distinction among all major U.S. cities? Oh, my goodness. Which is false. <laughs> the Golden Girls thing sounds true. Um, I'm not sure. And the James Bond thing. I don't know. I don't know about the woman one. Okay, this is a total guess. I'm going to say the James Bond thing is false. And Jen, you are right. It is false. <laughs> it is false. It turns out that um, Miami has been the host city to the largest number of James Bond's films in the country, but not the world. Oh, wow. Gold, yeah, Goldfinger, Thunderball, and Casino Royale were all shot in Miami. Um, but if you look at it from a world perspective, obviously the city of London mm -hmm. has appeared in more James Bond films than... Than others, but it is the number one city in the country. But wow. nevertheless, it is false, and you are batting a thousand. Great job. Yes, awesome. here we go. Very good. Question number two, Jen. Ready? Yep. As a former wealth manager, and in the spirit of All Saints Day, which we celebrate today, you'll appreciate this next question. <laughs> so, saints are generally regarded as those who embrace material poverty. Many mm. have even taken vows of poverty as religious. But a number of canonized saints were very well off and had a ton of material wealth, at least initially. The wealthiest of these from our country mm. was an American heiress, philanthropist, religious sister, and educator. She was the second person born in the U.S. territory to be canonized a saint and the first one born a U.S. citizen. Who was this very wealthy saint, Jen? All right, I'm just guessing first that came to my mind, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton? Yeah, that, that would have been my number two. As okay. My, well, that would, have been my, that would have been my guess too, but no, <laughs> sadly... Sadly, that is incorrect. Okay. Um, it's actually St. Catherine oh, Drexel. Oh my goodness, how could I miss that? Okay, I just went to Philly. Okay, I hope you don't air that part. 
we'll for my Philly friends. Yes. Yeah. For those for those who don't know, she had a very high powered banker oh. father who left her more than fifteen million dollars. This was in the eighteen eighties. You can imagine what that wow. was worth back then. So yeah, so she had a lot of means, and and of course, predictably, as canonized saints would do, by the time her life was over, all of it pretty much had been given away to a variety of different people. But yeah, she was pretty loaded oh, when when she started awesome. on her on her journey. <laughs> that's incredible. This morning, I dressed up as uh, Saint Elizabeth of Hungary, who also started well. Oh sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, just so you know, is the patroness of my diaconate class. Oh, because we're all we're all assigned a saint at the beginning of formation, and she was ours. There Pray for us. Amen. All right. So last question, Jen. And there's always a time machine question. Okay. (laughs) So here you go. You get a chance to travel back to Rome in 1984. And you have a private audience with Pope John Paul II. Now, the Pope had just left a special meeting with young Catholics that was held at the conclusion of the 1984 year of Jubilee. That's what inspired him to create the special celebration we all know now as World Youth Day. Mm -hmm. Now, knowing what you know now about the effect of World Youth Day and what it's had on evangelization and vocations, you get a chance to make a recommendation to the Holy Father (laughs) of something that he had never considered when he laid out the programming or the locations. Jen, what is your recommendation for World Youth Day to the Holy Father? Oh my goodness, could I ever... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I think that I would I would challenge him, not challenge, I would encourage him to really um, help us understand how we can live our faith in daily life, in the world, in the practical sense. I mean, I know it's obvious given what I do for YCP, but I think that there is a disconnect and I think that we need to be encouraged to, to be in the world. We're called not to be of the world but in the world. And what does that part look like? I think um, it would have been great to, to have some of that and maybe, you know, never know, World Youth Days to come. Absolutely. And maybe a couple more American stops along yeah. the way might have been, <laughs> might be good as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, you did really well. Excellent. You get a, a trophy of some kind that I have to determine, <laughs> but uh, but really good job. And uh, Jen, in all seriousness, it's a real privilege to have you on the show. And again, God bless and continue to prosper all of the work that you're doing there at the Apostolate. And may you make many chapters to come all over the place. Thank you so much, Deacon Charlie. And honestly, I feel like you're part of that path now. I'm linked up with you. So uh, (laughs) let's see what we can do together. Awesome. I'm not complaining. Very good. If you're listening to my voice and Jen's voice, please make sure to subscribe to this show and share this show with a young person, maybe a professional, maybe a non-Catholic. But just do share it, help the show to grow, and we will see you once more on another episode of Living the Call. If you enjoyed this episode of Living the Call, please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star review. Tell someone you love about the show and spread the word. Living the Call is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can learn more about the organization behind the show by searching for the Catholic Association of Latino Leaders on any social platform, or by going directly to call-usa.org. That's C-A-L-L-U-S-A.org. Living the Call is produced by Manu Castan and Diego Carranza and our friends at Juan Diego Networks. God bless you and thank you for listening.